Hello, my friend. How are you? Are you well? How are you now compared to the last time I spoke to you? Were you alone listening to me then, and are you alone now? If you were, I want you to take comfort, for I'm coming, and I come with company. I have been alone for so long that this unexpected company I have is perhaps a little jarring. I'll tell you who it is. Soon enough. It is a strange tale, but I'll come around to it. How did it start? How did it come about? With a decision. I felt that invisible string pulling, pulling at me again. So strong this time. In fact, it felt like there were two hundred and six strings, one tied to every bone in my body, and each string was trying to pull me up from the desk I write to you from, and out of my beloved and hated white, shining, terrible cellar home. And I knew where they wanted me to go. They wanted me to go to a tower. Not my tower but her tower. A tower not with stone and ancient staircases, but one with elevators and balconies and quiet little people hiding inside, pretending their neighbors don't exist. The one where she is writing and writing and typing and typing and staring into the mirror and seeing me and not knowing what to do about it. That terrible place where she is most often alone. But right now, I'm not so sure. I think there's someone with her. Someone with more power. Someone who wants her to write something very specific and very destructive. What it is, I don't know. But I'm sure that that someone is back. And together, they're trying to coax me out of my hiding place and into the open. So, that's just where I'll go, I thought to myself. I'll go to her. I'll go to them. It's time to send a signal, my friends. I've been too long alone and in the dark. I've been refusing my potential for whatever reason. I've had it within myself. Somehow, I've always found monsters. Haven't I? I've always found lost souls, alive, dead, or otherwise, cruel, kind, or neither. I've always had a talent for it. In fact, it was something I could do even before I became what I am now. Remember? So, so long ago, I found the most fearsome and enigmatic man in the most fearsome and enigmatic tower. He woke up because of me, and he was able to make me what he was despite all odds. And the more I think about it, the more I realize he didn't change me back then. I changed myself. I took what I wanted of his and I became it, didn't I? Didn't I? I don't remember. 
not really. More and more I do each day, but it's still a mystery, even if flashes of images or events pass through my mind. Do you think I could do such a thing? Do you think I could be responsible for my own fall and my own rise? Oh, I do. But I'll go on. I made my way there. I decided to walk. Why not? If we're to get everything out in the open, perhaps I need to be out in the open first. I simply let those invisible strings pull me in the right direction, and suddenly it all started to make sense. My craving for anarchy and disquiet, despite my love of peace and calm. All the strange victories and battles that were won at my hand, but with the help of some kind of invisible, intervening power. It all came together to tell me. It wasn't my own power or my own hunger driving me. It was her. All this time. Anyway, I walked. And wasn't that something? I didn't walk on the sidewalks because in all honesty I felt like making a splash. Sometimes one must. And I've been so sequestered lately in that cellar. Why not make myself visible? And how amusing it was to hear the car horns blaring at me, voices cursing at me to get out of the road, until they saw my face and my hands, and most importantly, my enormous black wings that hung down my back casually and yet stylishly, in my humble opinion. And once they saw these things, and saw my terrible black eyes and crooked, jagged teeth smiling back at them, there was silence. Silence, but for my quiet, contented laughter. For hours and hours I walked, across paved roads and then a grassy park, vast and cool against my bare feet. The sky began gray with a bland and ordinary sunset, and then it morphed into a beautiful, clear night sky black as my eyes, but with bright shining stars peeking out at me. I smiled up at those stars. Tonight's the night, I told them. Tonight, I give them what they want. I found the place. A terribly bland concrete square of a building, really. Mostly empty balconies stared back at me, but because it's summer and it's warm and people love the sky more when it's warm, a handful of residents were out on their balconies staring out, perhaps leaning out of a window. In the distance, I could hear young people chattering and laughing and swearing to each other, loving the blanket of summer night that wrapped around them and told them to go outside and see what life could offer the daring tonight. Cars roared as they passed on by the road that was just up the hill from where I stood. A busy night, all things considered. Humans do like to celebrate life more in the summer, don't they? I looked up 
and I instantly knew exactly which balcony belonged to my dearest friend and nemesis. I considered calling out, or flying up, but I didn't. After all, she brought me here, didn't she? She knew exactly where I was. She brought me here. And I felt the invisible strings relax and fall away and free me. A reward for my dutiful obedience. Obedience both to the narrative and story, as well as to those who have made me what I am. Those who I made who they are. I waited, craning my neck up, expecting to see my frail human friend. My counterpart. When I saw him instead, I froze. The feeling of cold started in my chest and radiated outward, chilling me from the inside out. He looked down at me and the moon reflected off his black eyes as though he were a large cat, hunting in the night. Though he had his trademark smile, the morbidly joyful one I hated so much and wanted so badly to erase but couldn't. I didn't want to erase him, mind you. She did. Our writer did. And she failed, and look at what it did to her now. It got her locked up in her own tower. What I wanted to do was make him... different. Make him understand. Make him compassionate. Human. And I did. Yet, here he stood now. The same magnificent fallen thing, evil and seductive and awful. And you know that I don't like to call things evil, but I believe that if a thing delights in its own cruelty or causing pain to others, they are not good. And my gentleman stranger here? He had that same glint in his eyes that I saw on the road that night centuries ago, when he left a trail of corpses behind him after I set him free. He was so much more beautiful when I made him human. When he understood fear, this, well, this was still beautiful. Even as he stared at me with death in his eyes and vengeance for everything I've put him through as payment for him abandoning me, I have to admit, I still love him. This is the darkest part of my soul, and perhaps the reason why monsters let me find them. I fall in love with those who are filled with darkness and pain, vengeance and strife. Why? Why should I? Why should this be? Ah. I think I know, finally. Standing here, it suddenly became clear as soon as I saw her step out onto the balcony and stand next to him. It's her. Her unease and discomfort in her own reality is manifested in the both of us a contempt for the ordinary, for the real, for herself, 
Isn't that it? Isn't that what it is, deep down? That's why he stands here with wings and eyes like mine. She couldn't bear the thought of him being human, being what she is. She wanted him like this. She wants to look in the eyes of something vicious and supernatural and feel no fear. That is power. That is her power, anyway. I expected her to look afraid as she came out and saw me. But she didn't. She stood next to him and had an expression of cold, impartial judgment. She wanted me to come here to give him what he wanted. She wants war between he and I, and between us and the angels, and between me and her. <laughs> She's the one who loves chaos. She's the one who grows bored of peace. She's the one who's instilled that despicable quality in me. My writer. My friend. My beloved tortured soul who I thought I found and I saved. Huh. I've come, I called up to her. Not to him, just to her. Are you happy, Kristen? I'm here now. Are you satisfied? That empty expression changed just a little to one of shame, as she responded simply, I am never satisfied. I nodded. Huh. That's what it is. How awful for her. For all the wonders I've shown her, I haven't been able to cure her of that thirst. Perhaps I've been misguided, trying to. And what do you want of me now? I asked the two of them. This is where he grinned the widest, my stranger. But he let her answer. He prefers not to talk if he doesn't have to. Anything. Something. Conflict, but not peace. The world is too awful when it is quiet. She said, and then looked up and around at the sky. She wants them to come again. She wants the other ones with wings to come. She wants to see a battle of light and dark, order and chaos, of angels and of whatever on earth we creatures are. Like an emperor standing in the best spot in a coliseum, waiting for the games to begin. I smiled broadly, too. Then I have a gift for you, I said. I mentioned that I have had company with me. I've had company with me this whole time, my friends. Mutual friends of mine and hers. Ones we love, ones we fear. Entertaining ones. How did it look to her eyes? I'll imagine it for you. She saw me standing on the grass outside of her building alone, staring up at her. 
but beside me, a figure began to emerge from the shadows. It was the figure of a princess in a dusty white gown, with eyes as white as pearls and moths flying from her hair, spiders gracefully dancing across her skin now and then. And on my other side, another figure, a frightful creature, a siren covered in black scales and black feathers, with eyes like a bird and crooked, painfully bent legs. Next, behind me, a creature floating in the air with hollow, corpse-like features and glowing firefly eyes. Then, a large, strong man with black and gray in his long hair and his thick beard, wearing a wolf pelt. How many of them were there? I can give you an estimate. There were more than fifty-five. For among the seventy stories I've shared with you, I've told you fifty-five stories of those I've encountered in my long life. And she's written about them. Creatures she's loved and admired and shared. And here they stood, outside her balcony, looking up at her, all of them. The greedy pirate captain, pale and ghastly after his demise. The girl from the prince's ball, still lovely in her red dress, blood trailing from her mouth still as if it were fresh. And her remorseful prince standing beside her faithfully now. The phantom cat with its glowing green eyes. The woman who hosted her own going-away party, standing with every single one of her deathly guests. And a ghost, pale blue as the sea, barely more than a skeleton still, garments and hair swaying around her as though she was still in the sea, where she belonged, and where she longed to be. It took me some time and some work, you see, to finally see them, to bring them to me, and now to bring them to her. I've never seen my writer friend's eyes so large. They were shining with tears of... Of what? Fear? No. I think it was wonder. Was it gratitude, even? And though our dark stranger arched his brow and seemed perplexed, we paid him no heed. Poor thing. He only understands life and death. He has no real understanding of those who transcend such nonsense as that. And I heard a scream. I heard some voices shouting and calling out. I saw lights going on in some of the building's windows. It was, after all, a busy night. And many people saw this crowd standing with me. This crowd of monsters and ghosts and lovers and fighters and demons and... And me. 
I smiled at my writer. At the sounds of fright and bewilderment all around her, she beamed. I don't know why, and perhaps she didn't know why, but she smiled a huge, warm smile and began to laugh, and she began to clap her hands. Indeed, the emperor in the Colosseum, delighted by chaos, entertained by anarchy, and in love with horror. I'm still standing here now, but I won't be able to for long. The sirens are screaming. More people have come to see us. Some have run away. Some have called out for help. Some have taken out their phones and are filming us with shaking hands. I told you I wanted to send a signal. To everyone. This is how I win. This is how I take over. That is how we take over. It's only sharing, after all. It's only revealing the truth. Oh, my dear writer, see? You're not alone. They're all here, and they always have been. And there are more to come. As soon as I say goodnight, I will launch myself into the sky with my two great wings, and I will be among the stars, and no one will be able to catch me tonight. My spectral friends below will disappear, perhaps one by one, perhaps all at once, who knows. They will do as they please. As soon as I say goodnight, my friends, this will all be just another story, you'll say. And everyone who saw what I revealed will doubt that it ever happened somehow. Those who don't doubt will not be believed. But the seed will have been planted. Just a little germ of an idea. A tiny voice whispering in the world's ear. You were right all along. There is so much more than you ever thought there was in the world. You were right. Anything is possible. And you'll know that it's true. Because you've been listening to me. You've been my friend all along. Haven't you? Here I go. Are you ready? Good night, my friends. Hello, it's me, Kristen, the writer, the podcaster, the creator of On a Dark Cold Night. How strange to be a character in your own story. But I've told her story often enough, haven't I? It's about time she told mine. How kind of her. Thank you so much for listening in to episode 70. Are you still with us? I'd like to give a shout-out to Captain Yarb, who left a lovely five-star review on iTunes for the show titled Love This. It goes on to say, 
I spent some of my painsomnia time listening to the first few episodes. Thank you, you helped. The high-pitched whistle in the theme is a bit much for my TBI, but your stories and sharing helped calm and entertain in a soothing way. Thank you so much for listening and for the five-star review, Captain Yarb, and also for your honesty. Um, I mentioned this before, but the theme music in the later episodes onward is adjusted to be less loud, so hopefully that helps. Wishing you all the best with your insomnia and TBI recovery. If you want to help the show like Captain Yarb, leaving us a review on iTunes would be absolutely wonderful. You can also do so on Stitcher or leave a recommendation on our Facebook page. I do my best to share positive words here on the show. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night, Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, and on my Facebook and YouTube pages, just called On A Dark Cold Night. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can become a patron on Patreon, where every monthly pledge of any amount comes with the perk of getting downloadable links for the entire, constantly updated soundtrack of the show. You can find out more at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. Or, if you want to help out just once and not have the perk, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. Also, I have t-shirts and hoodies available at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. All of these links are available at my website, by the way. Finally, you can help by listening to the show on the free Radio Public app, where every listen counts towards me as your podcaster getting paid for my work. So head on over and check out Radio Public. Thank you again for listening in tonight. I guess we'll have to see what's in the cards from here on out. Don't think any less of me, or of her. Or do. Whatever you like. I'm just here to tell her stories. Hers and mine. We hope you like them. Good night, my friends.